You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Chantel and Julian, along for the ride, we'll be with you until Rangers-Ducks coverage begins at 8 o'clock here on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, we got company coming. A little later in the show, Pat Ragazzo, we'll talk a little bit. It's 19, 20, 15 this morning when I awakened. We'll warm your thoughts with a little baseball. Check in on what's going on with the Mets and Yankees. We'll do that with Pat Ragazzo about 6.30. And at 7 o'clock, Pat O'Keefe will stop by. We'll kill... Take us inside the garden, what it was like yesterday to see R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly back inside the world's most famous arena and how well the Knicks played. This was a scary game for a lot of Knicks fans. They wanted to, you know, see, to make sure that the the, uh, pass was not going to come back to haunt them with uh, IQ and R.J., and the Knicks were able to dominate the Piston, uh, the Raptors. So we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Of course... Our eyes are on the divisional playoffs for today. We'll recap the games yesterday in a moment, but this Tampa Lions game has been very interesting for me. And even though most people felt that, listen, this Detroit team has been outstanding, especially at home, and they're riding some momentum, and they're playing extremely well, and they have an outstanding defense. And Jared Goff, if he doesn't turn the football over, is a pretty good quarterback. They've got great receivers to every run game. They've got everything you need to win this game at home. They're 12-5. and They've been fabulous this year. The question was, what were you getting from Baker Mayfield? And would Todd Bowles be able to not blitz too much that he could get some pressure on Jared Goff with just rushing four and keep the score down? Because if he keeps the score down, they want to run the ball and they want to eat up the clock and try to get out of there with a win. And right now, it's a tie game. A little over six minutes left to go in the third. And you kind of expected that Tampa would be would be more airborne, right? You kind of expected that they would try to get the ball down the field. Now, they want to run the football, obviously, because they want to keep things close. They want to keep it where they're not getting blown out. They're not trying to get into a track meet with the Detroit Lions. But what they are trying to do is maintain where they can be close enough that they can be within striking distance. So late in the fourth quarter, they could be a drive away from either winning or tying tying or winning this game or going into overtime if they need to. Now, as you've noticed with the game early, Todd Bowles' defense has had trouble with the tight ends over the middle. I don't know what it is. Over the past couple of games, where the defenses have really seemed to be weak across the middle in the zones. And so Detroit's offense has found a great job, done a great job at finding the weak spots in the zone for them, for their tight ends. And Laporta and and even Wright on the play uh, a couple of minutes ago was able to find big plays over that spot. Now for Tampa, everybody's been wondering about what has happened with Mike Evans. The Mike Evans that you have seen previously that has been so big, has made huge plays, had trouble holding on to the football. But going down the stretch with the two-minute drill before halftime, he found himself. He made two huge plays to put Tampa Bay in this to tie this game up for the Buccaneers. Two huge plays. One fantastic catch at the two-yard line. And they were able to take it in. So... 
it is going to be interesting to see how they find out. Right now, Detroit's on the, on the move, and there's an injured player on the field, so there's a timeout. And, uh, okay, so he's up. He'll probably have to leave the field for a play. We're not sure. And then we'll see what happens, and we'll see if, you know, Tampa can limit Detroit to a field goal here. I thought Tampa had a good chance, and obviously it's early, it's playoff, so you don't really, one score doesn't really take momentum of a game that early. But I did feel that there had been a change of momentum with that drive that Tampa had got to um, score the touchdown with. And then they had the ball coming out in the third quarter. So I really thought if they could get something, even a field goal or anything, that would kind of turn the momentum a little bit. But uh, for some reason, Tampa's offensive line has not made the adjustment. There's certain plays where Hutchinson has, has come unblocked and that cannot happen i mean you're 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 really putting uh mayfield's life in jeopardy there a and b what you're doing is a hard hit's gonna turn the football over now you got the turnovers going the other way so we'll see if indeed the next time that tampa has the ball and hutchinson goes on on baker mayfield's right side if he if they're able to finally figure out who that is and block them that would be, uh, you know, very helpful for them because then they can make some plays on that side. They've not been able to make that adjustment. They've not shifted the line or the person that was supposed to pick up the blitz on that case or try to try to get a hold of Hutchinson or slow him down has not been able to do that. So we'll see if they make that adjustment. Let's go back to what we saw yesterday. Now, no one expected Houston to beat Baltimore. C.J. Stroud has been unbelievable this season. He He's clearly the rookie of the year for me. And, you know, some might argue that he's the MVP because of how he was able to perform. This is a rookie quarterback, ladies and gentlemen, who threw for over 4,000 yards. I, this is a rookie quarterback who seemed as though he didn't have any issue. His learning curve was outstanding. He made the adjustments. He seemed to make the right reads. He had low turnover numbers. He threw the ball all over the yard, and it was very, very easy for him to do. And obviously that combined with D'Amico Ryan and what he was able to do defensively and making the defensive calls on the play, it got Houston to where they needed to be. But let's face it, Baltimore, this might be their year. The Ravens have been outstanding this year. Part of it defensively, listen, that is always the signature for the Baltimore Ravens. They play physical. They play fast. They, they play the win. They stop the run. They, they pressure you, your quarterback, in the pa- in passing situations. They are tremendous. That, along with the fact that it just seemed as though that this was the year that Lamar Jackson took that next step. This was the year that the Lamar Jackson didn't run first and pass second. And part of that, to be fair to him, is because they have more weapons. You, you had receivers. You had more of a running game. So the fact that the offense was more balanced and had more weapons enabled him to be able to take advantage of some things. And so the run first, yeah, we'll, we'll see if he has to pass Lamar Jackson, was a guy who was standing tall in the pocket. Yes, obviously he could extend plays. He could run. Obviously he could move the ball. This is the Lamar Jackson that we've seen. And this is the Lamar Jackson we've seen all season. So the question was going to be, what could D'Amico Ryans try to do defensively 
to contain him somewhat. And to be fair, Texans did a good job in the first half. Texans were right in there. Texans were holding close. They were within the they were within striking distance. They were they played a very good first half. Unfortunately, it was the second half. Okay? And it got started with that 37-yard kick return from Devin DuVernay. And that led the Ravens on the six-play, 55-yard drive that ended with a score of a 15-yard run by DuVernay. And, I mean, by Jackson, sorry, by Lamar. And so, after that, they scored on their next three possessions, game, set, match with the Ravens. Once again, and this is the thing. It's so fascinating. And I feel like I am an attorney for running backs when I say this. The Ravens yesterday rushed for 229 yards. Okay. Lamar Jackson had 100. 134 of those 229 came in the second half. So not only were you able to get the lead, you were able to successfully run the ball and now keep your defense rested and keep Houston off the field for much of the second half. I mean, when you score on your next three possessions, what you have essentially done is you've pulled the plug on whatever Houston was trying to do. And they were, they were okay, dominant. And that's what you expect. As Detroit brings it in, runs it in for a touchdown, they now have a 16-10 lead, and the extra point is pending. So that's that's what they were able to do. So let's hear from the losers first. Let's hear from D'Amico Ryans, head coach of the Houston Texans. And obviously, his conversation and his focus was about what his quarterback, the rookie C.J. Stroud, did this season. Yeah, CJ, he's, he did a great job throughout the entire year. Again, proud of him, proud of his just resolve, his confidence throughout the entire year. And he was the guy breaking our team down, right? He's the leader of our team, right? And I'm, I'm so proud of him, proud of how he's grown as a player and as a leader. Like, it's it's fun to watch, right? Really awesome young man. Uh, and his sky's the limit for him and what he can do in his career. There's no doubt about it. All Now, of course there will be more expectations on this Texans team because of what they were able to accomplish this season. Okay, extra point good, 17-10 lines. All right, so you understand that. And people have now had a full season and will have a full offseason trying to get a book on what they can do to try to flush or do some things to make it a little more difficult for C.J. Stroud next season. But for this season, he was asked, do you consider this season a success even though you go home in the postseason? I mean, it's hard to answer that right now. I know where I come from in college, like, if you don't win at all, like, then it's kind of a fail. So that's kind of like the mindset I have. Um, I think we have the capability, we have the team to do it. Come up short, you know? So, like, you can't look back and, like, dang, like, we didn't do nothing special. You got to, of course, like, really look back and, and, and smile throughout everything. But at the same time, like, it's like, dang, man, what, what if? And that, that's the worst feeling, you know, just having regrets. That's exactly what you want to hear from your young quarterback. No, we're not satisfied with this. Is it a success? No. I've got mixed emotions. We didn't, we didn't finish what we came to do. This wasn't 
you know, uh, we're just happy to be here. This was, we thought we had an opportunity. We prepared to come in here and shock a very, very talented Baltimore Ravens team. Okay, very talented. No question about it. So, CJ, what's the foundation like for the future? Pressure's a privilege, and it's hard. Like, it's, the stand-up here is, it may seem easy out there, but it's hard. You know, I work really hard. But, yeah, man, I think the foundation we set is, is a hard hard one built on rock, like D'Amico always talks about. But, yeah, man, I'm going I'm to continue to work my tail off next year to make the city of Houston proud, make my, my family members proud, make God proud. And, yeah, so I appreciate you guys. All right, that's C.J. Stroud, and they go home after losing to the Baltimore Ravens yesterday in the eight, part one of the AFC Divisional Battle, part one of the Elite Eight of the National Football League's weekend playoff situation. So Jim Har- John Harbaugh, got Jim on my mind. John Harbaugh, it's 10-10 at halftime. You score in three consecutive possessions. What changed in the second half? We just did a better job of kind of getting the ball out on time. I think Todd called a different game. It wasn't so much hold the ball and try to push the ball downfield, which Lamar did a good job. But once once Lamar was able to sit back there and just kind of just kind of pick him apart, getting the ball out quick, uh, he just did a great job with that and that took control of the game. All right, Lamar, what did you tell the team at halftime? It'd be inappropriate if I said right here. <laughs> it would, you know. But yeah, we wasn't we wasn't really doing anything, you know, to, to that defense. They was playing great, and that, that offense was playing great as well, but we wasn't doing our job with our unit. In second half, we went to punt points on the board, start moving the ball, moving the chains, and start looking like ourselves. Uh, this is going to be interesting to see whomever Baltimore plays, whether it is Kansas City or whether it is Buffalo. Uh, this is going to be interesting to see how they move forward because, once again, the hallmark, the calling card of this Baltimore Ravens team is very simple. Defensively, they play hard, they play fast, and they play physical. And for them, they've got some an interesting opponent next, be it Kansas City or Buffalo. Obviously, we'll find that out in that game kicks off at 6.30 this evening. When we return, we'll look at the NFC battle last night where Green Bay gave the Niners all they could handle. We'll recap that next. It's The Drive on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. a divisional playoff weekend edition of The Drive. Hey, let me tell you about Beyond the Big Game. It's now open at the Paley Museum in Midtown. This blockbuster Super Bowl exhibit features everything from the Vince Lombardi Trophy, all 57 rings from each championship team, helmets, jerseys, and more from Super Bowl legends, and a spectacular showcase of memorable Super Bowl commercials. The exhibit is open through March 3rd. For more information, visit paleycenter.org. We got a nice one going here, ladies and gentlemen. Detroit marched down the field, got the lead, and then Tampa now has marched right back down the field. And I will say this. Baker Mayfield has made some really big plays in this game. The first play he made on the drive a couple of plays ago to Otten, where you thought he was sacked, but he pulled the ball down, was able to maneuver to his right and find Otten on the sidelines with a great with a great uh, reception. And then we now, he just completed another pass to Watton again, Watton again, who was wide open down the field. So it's third down for them. And 
they are looking at least to walk away with a minimum of a field goal. Minimum, a field goal. Obviously, they want seven, but uh, you know, it's it's. Mayfield almost got sacked again, but he was able to throw the ball out of bounds before his knee hit. Woo, he just got it away. Otherwise, he'd have lost yardage. So, third and 10 on from the 12 of Detroit. And we'll see how this plays go. I, I Listen, I'm. There's the, there's the, oh, there's the blitz. Come up the middle. They don't get it. And they score. Just like that. Very simple. Very simple. A little screen pass. Seven plays, 75 yards. They picked up the blitz, had a little screen pass, waltz right into the end zone, Richard White. And we are an extra point away from tying this game. So this is, uh, like I said, this is what you want. This is what you want right here. Tampa going in there and challenging the Lions. Let's go back to the NFC game last night. Now, obviously, going into the game, you, Green Bay had some momentum because of what they were able to do to the Dallas Cowboys. And not what they were able to do, but how dominant they were. They marched up and down the field on the Cowboys. The Cowboys had no answers defensively for them whatsoever. You talk about open receivers. There were open receivers, it seemed like, on every play that Green Bay ran last week. And there were some folks who are very high on Jordan Love, talking about how well he looked, how well he has pr- produced, how much he's, he's improved, and he looked outstanding against Dallas. All right? Just because the plays were there, you still have to make those plays. And that's what he was able to do. He made those plays against the Cowboys' defense. Yes, the guys were wide open. Sometimes those are the toughest passes to complete. So you're looking at a Green Bay team going into San Francisco with nothing to lose. Everybody's picking the Niners. As a matter of fact, most people think the Niners are going to be in the Super Bowl and have said so for much of the season. Why? Because of their talent offensively, McCaffrey and others, and you've got an unbelievable defense. So for those reasons alone, you're figuring, hey, listen, they're going to be okay. And this, it, we're just hoping that it's competitive. Well, <laughs> it was more than just competitive. As a matter of fact, if it hadn't been for a couple of interceptions by a linebacker, uh, we might have a different story here. We might be talking about an upset by the Green Bay Packers over the San Francisco 49ers. But it was linebacker Dre Greenlaw who sealed the 24-21 victory with the uh, yesterday against Green Bay and his ability not only to make a play earlier but a play late because they were driving and remember all they needed was a field goal they all they needed was a field goal to tie this game they didn't need the touchdown they all they needed was a field goal and unfortunately their kicker missed one earlier otherwise it would have been a little different situation all right but that's the way it goes in, in in this play in this time of the year in the playoffs that's what happens so it was it was a great game. And if you were a Niners fan, you were, uh, you know, you were a little concerned. You were a little concerned because, let's face it, Brock Purdy did not play well early. He was missing receivers. Uh, 
The broadcasters were talking all the time during the game about the fact that he doesn't like to throw in the rain. Uh, you know, you got to make the adjustments, my friend. You're a quarterback. I know you've played in the rain before, and in this scenario, you got to be good. And obviously, uh, not having Debo Samuel because he got hurt in the shoulder, his shoulder got hurt, didn't have him uh, in the second half, that was a major, a major problem. So they had to make the additions. And listen, running back Aaron Jones, again, another 100-yard game for him. You know, this young man has been big in the postseason. He really has, as has Green Bay's uh, receivers. They were making big play after big play after big play. But it turns out not to be enough. And so the Niners will meet the winner of the game we're watching right now, which is the um, the uh, uh, Detroit and uh, the Detroit game. And so that's what you're looking for here to see how this turns out with Detroit, with Detroit and Tampa. And either one of these teams, you ho- if you're a Niners fan, you hope that A, Debo Samuel's back, and B, you hope your team plays a little bit better. Uh, I couldn't rain in California. That was, you know, what's going on there <laughs> in the postseason. So we mentioned Dre Greenlaw. Let's go back to him. And he was asked after the game, on that game-winning interception, what did you see to put yourself in great position? I mean, it's men and left. We know they're trying to get the ball deep and get in the field goal range. So, I mean, we just playing deep and short. And my guy went to the flat, so I was able to just have eyes on QB a little bit. And I saw him just throwing across his body and just able to make a play. And it was a big play. It was a really big play. Obviously, Nick Bosa, uh, a little too close for comfort, huh? We needed a win like that, I feel like. We just haven't come from behind in a while. It's a really good team and really good coaching. Just helps you get more battle-tested. Yeah, it does. But listen, that's a nice way of saying it. They did not play well. Defensively, they were not as dominant as they've been. And you give Green Bay credit for that. I'll say this. um, I know that it seemed as though during the years that they were together, Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur had some issues. But I, you give LaFleur credit. These past two games, he has put together very solid, efficient game plans that has given his team a chance to win. They beat Dallas, and they come back, and they have a shot to at least tie San Francisco to get into overtime or win it. Because if they get this touchdown, they're going home. They're, 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 they're leaving Frisco with a win. So LaFleur gets a lot of credit. Whatever, you know, maybe there was a miscommunication between him and Aaron Rodgers or whatever it was. But the bottom line here is LaFleur's done a very nice job with his young quarterback of putting that team in position to see where they can make some plays. And that's what you, that's important. As far as Brock, uh, Brock Purdy is concerned, you know, listen, he won this, but it wasn't easy. You know, you're down and you got to find a way. It's fourth quarter. It's the NFL. And obviously we're in the postseason now. So we were all like, all right, this is it. You know, this is our season. And so for us to capitalize like that was huge for all of us. And then obviously for myself as a quarterback, like it's good for confidence and all that. But we have too many good players, man, on this team. So many players that are difference makers and we got a great defense. And so for us to not find a way, it just wasn't, it's not right. So for us to finally have a game like this and and pull through at the end was, was huge for all of us. So, you know, he has performed well previously. I mean, you know, he's been the story. Mr. Irrelevant starts for the Niners and 
Look how much they've won and look how successful he's been. But nevertheless, in the postseason, there's been some questions about him. And so this was this came as a major question on how he was going to perform in this in this situation, especially the way he started. Okay, missing receivers and not being on the same page and having issues and this very potent Niners offense really was struggling. They were really struggling. And so they were able to bounce back. So you give them credit. And if you're Brock Purdy, you go back into the lab and look at the videos and whatnot and figure out what you did wrong. And then you got to get back on your horse and get ready to be better next week. Five plays, 75 yards. Detroit answers Tampa with a touchdown. Nice cutback run and a zigzag move. Touchdown. When we return on the drive, as we continue to recap the divisional playoffs in the National Football League, we'll hear from the Green Bay Packers. That was a tough way to lose. We'll hear from them next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to The Drive with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Detroit with a 24-17 lead as they just march down the field to score on Tampa Bay's defense. Todd Bowles has got to do some adjustments. He's getting, you know, they've, they've made some, Detroit's made the adjustment. He's got to go back and take some things away. Uh, and right now he needs for Tampa to march down the field and at least get a score. They have to get something. They can't come away with nothing. I get it. I know how much time is left. There's plenty of time left. But this is the fourth quarter. And if he's unable to make the adjustments and Detroit goes on a long drive that eats up the clock and it's more than a, a two-score, it's a two-score game, two-touchdown score game, that's going to be an issue. And already they're on third down. We'll hear from the Green Bay Packers in the moment, moment right now. Let's hear from Dave in the car. Dave, you're first on the drive on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, thanks for having me uh, Having me on. You know, I'm – I heard what you said about how the Packers came well-prepared over the last two meetings in the playoffs. Um, and, um, you know, I'm looking at the Jets and the Giants, and th- this is my opinion. I want to bounce it off you. Mm-hmm. On the Jets' side of the ball, they're just depending on the whole staff, including the, the general manager, they're like, we need some type of miracle, spectacular run uh, with a Hall of Fame quarterback on the back end of his career, or this whole thing is going to just get gutted. And then the, in the Giants locker room, you have a loss of leadership. Trust me, Barkley leaving the Giants is going to leave a void of leadership. They had 10 captains. No other team in the history of football has selected 10 captains, except one, two, maybe three. And you have coaches who are no longer part of the organization. And you also have another coach who looks like he's going to walk away from the situation. When you have that much leadership leaving in one organization and then everything riding on the coattails of uh, the back end of a Hall of Famer, who we don't really know how he's going to look after his hamstring, uh, not the hamstring, his Achilles healed behind a fragile line. I would say that the Jets and the Giants are not even sniffing the playoffs for maybe three, possibly five years, unless they get a dramatic turnaround in the draft and perhaps find a diamond in the rough like the Texans. I know it's long-winded, but what are your thoughts on that? 
Well, Dave, it's an interesting point. Uh, as far as the Giants are concerned, and thanks for the phone call, I mean, I hear what you're saying about Barkley, and if he does not come back, it will be a loss for them. But, I mean, they were a playoff team last season. Yes, everything broke right for them. Yes, the schedule was a little better. Well, the schedule's going to be better for them this year than it was last year, uh, This in 2024, than it was this year. So I think with a couple of adjustments, first of all, what they have to do is they've got to get some more talent there, obviously. Yeah, you're right. The offensive line is continues to be an issue for them, as it is for their roommates at MetLife Stadium, the Jets. But I think... See, the question for them is, can they, they've done it before, can they find the right scheme so that Dave Brown can be Dave Brown? So that, (laughs) I'm sorry, I had the quarterback flashback. (laughs) So that Daniel Jones will be able to do what he's done, what he did last season, which was move the ball, move his legs, not turn the football over, and hopefully you find some weapons where he can at least get the ball down the field a little bit more. So while I hear what you're saying about the lack of leadership, yes, and obviously Brian Dable has got to repair some things that's gone on in that locker room from his head coaching, from a coaching standpoint and a coordinator standpoint. And we'll wait and see if Kafka comes back or whether he's going to take another job, uh, you know, that gives him another opportunity as a head coach or whatever. I mean, and, and the bottom line is, for him, if he was getting a job opportunity as a head coach, he'd have left anyway. Not the same situation as Wink Martindale, clearly, because Martindale's out. So, yeah, he's got to do a better job at, at how he interacts with his coaching staff. And once again, I don't mean that what he has to do is surround himself with a bunch of yes-men. You want there to be give and take. You want there to be an open exchange. And you're the head coach, so your decision is the final one because it all rests back up to you. But there is a way that you handle that. And he's got to learn. And the only way you learn is by going through it. So the biggest question becomes now, as far as the Giants are concerned, yeah, what obviously what are they going to do on the field? But the other thing that really jumps in your mind for them is, what has Brian Dayball learned from this situation on dealing with coordinators and how will he change? That's the, that's the next question. Because it's the first time he's a head coach. What he did last year worked. So why would he change? That's his thought process. This season, a little different. Everything didn't go as planned. A lot of issues. Injuries to quarterbacks. Three different quarterbacks he had to use this year. Okay, so that's the giant situation. So, yes, they they need some more talent. But once again, in the NFC, could they make the playoffs if they're strong enough, if if they play better, if they get a couple of playmakers, the defense, depending on who comes in and how they make the adjustment to the new scheme. It may not take them three to five years to get back to the postseason. They could sneak in there next year. I don't know what Philly's going to do in that. What Eagles are coming back? I mean, I don't know. I know Jalen Hurts is coming back, but, you know, offensive linemen already, the center, Kelsey, already talked about retiring. Are they going to bring back? They've got some free agent. They've got some contract situations. How many people are coming back? And we've already seen, and they're the perfect example, on the lack of continuity in your coordinators. Yeah, it hurts you. There's no question it does. And it, it definitely hurt. Philly.
So I don't think it'll be three to five years for the Giants. As far as the Jets are concerned, you set it up perfectly. They are banking for everything to change offensively with Aaron Rodgers being available. Offensively. And yeah, the priority for them is their offensive line. Dave, there's no question about that. That is the priority. They've got to get that line fixed. Got to get the line fixed. It's, this year was unacceptable. And we've talked about it over and over and over again. Before going into the season, they knew the line was unacceptable. They knew the line needed help. So offensively, yes, they are relying on Aaron Rodgers. But even the Jets, and I always talk about these moments when you look in the bathroom mirror when you're getting, you know, you're getting ready for another day and you're shaving or you're washing your face or you're doing your hair or whatever. And, the, you know, you can lie to everybody else, but you can't lie to yourself when you look at yourself in the mirror. And every coach, every coordinator, and, and every line coach, any position coach, when they look in the mirror, they know they have to be better. They have to be better. They have to be better at preparation. They have to be better at holding their players accountable. They have to be better. So, yes, offensively, they are relying on Aaron Rodgers to do everything. But from a coaching standpoint, that team's got to play smarter. They can't continue to get these penalties. They can't continue to get 10, 11 penalties in the game. They can't continue to get the, the too many men on the field. They can't continue all those penalties that shot themselves in the foot this year and last year and the year before that. They can't continue to do that if they want to win. And as far as talent is concerned, yeah, we talked about the offensive line, but who's the number two receiver on this team? There's an article up on .com, ESPN.com, about can Aaron Rodgers get Alan Lazar's confidence back? That was supposed to be your number two guy. You're paying him a ton of money. He couldn't get separation all season. And then when he got separation, he couldn't hold on to the football. Aaron Rodgers is supposed to get his confidence back? What about Alan Lazard doing some, doing some work? How about Alan Lazard doing extra hours on the jugs gun? Maybe he did. And if he still had the problems, that's another concern. And why is it that Aaron Rodgers has to do it? Suppose we, God forbid, it's a situation where Rodgers is hurt. So that means now because Aaron Rodgers is not throwing in the ball, he can't catch it? So, no, I think the Jets... For them, they have a little more issues because, once again, for them, I know Roger says he wants to play two years, but whenever he leaves, where are they going to turn for a quarterback? Who's going to be their next quarterback? Who's going to be their next young quarterback that they're going to bring up through the system that they grow? Who's their next C.J. Stroud? Who's there, Jordan Love? Who is it? I mean, they haven't been able to develop one. And so in a sense, listen, they haven't been able to develop one, so they figured they'd go out and get one that was already developed. Because <laughs> they haven't been able to develop one. So they'll figure out a way to get it done. Uh, Detroit is shredding Todd Bowles' defense right now. They're not able to get to Jared Goff. And the screen is just killing them. It's just killing them. There's people wide open all over the field. 
And so uh, I don't know what Bowles is going to do. He may have to try to get the blitz. He may have to try to do something. Oh, it's just a great move. But you put a running back on the linebacker. He can't, can't make that. He couldn't get him. He made one move and he lost him. And he's laughing. Gibbs is just smiling because running back on a linebacker, I mean, you, you, you give the running back that. And the play, the screen is just, you know, they keep drawing them out and drawing them out, and they just, Tampa can't stop them. And Detroit's about to score again. And if they score now, this game is practically over. Got seven minutes left, you're down two scores. And now Detroit behind Aaron Glenn, who's done a phenomenal job, and hope he gets a coaching job, a head coaching job. Uh, you put him to work, and now he's able to go into a situation where he knows you have to pass to get the ball down the field. He's going to turn these guys loose. It's going to be crazy. 1-800-919-3776. We'll continue the conversation next on 98.7 ESPN. Speaking of Frisco, yesterday they were able to beat the Green Bay Packers on a late interception by Dre Greenlaw. So if you're Matt LaFleur, he was asked after the game, how long before you put this loss behind you? I, I don't know. I can't tell you. I know it's hard right now to kind of see through everything, and I am proud of this guy, of these guys. But it's more just the the ability to keep competing, to stick together. I mean, there were some real, I mean, there were some tough moments in our season. You know, when we lost some tough games, and and this is one of them, quite frankly, to be honest with you. But I, I've got the utmost confidence that the guys in that locker room, that our staff, everybody will stick together. And. He's got a nice little nucleus building there. I mean, they were the youngest or among the youngest teams in the league. It looks like your quarterback, you've got your quarterback right now in Jordan Love. He's got a nice chemistry with the young receivers. They had, I think they showed in the broadcast last night, they had a different top receiver every month that led the team in yardage and receptions. So he spreads the ball around. It's not just one person that you can key on. Everybody is is in, involved in the offense. Uh, as I mentioned, Jones was spectacular last night and in, in the two games. And so if you're, you know, you're just, if you're Green Bay, you're feeling, you feel bad, obviously, for the loss because you know you could have won that game and you could still be playing. And there's no guarantees that you get back. We understand that. We get it. But as if you're looking at it long term, you're in a pretty good position right now. You've got some, you've got some players, and they can grow together. And there's always change in every NFL team. You know that. There's always contracts that you have to decide whether you're going to pick up or not pick up. We get all that. But as far as saying, you know what, we are in a better position than what I guess Aaron Rodgers would have led us to believe they were in by saying, I want out, I didn't get enough receivers, I didn't get the receiver I wanted, you draft the quarterback, the receivers, and so on and so forth. It looks like they made the right move. It simply does. It looks like they made the right move. Speaking of Jordan Love, he was asked the same question about Matt Lef- as Matt LaFleur was. How long can you get over this loss? 
I think it will sting for a while, you know, watching all the, the games going forward. I think it will sting just knowing that, you know, we had opportunity to win. We dropped the ball on that one. So um, it will sting for a while. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, we'll be able to look back on it, see some some good things we did. Um, and obviously during the offseason, just trying to work on the things that uh, we didn't do as well and things we need to get better at. But definitely just, you know, going to get to it and attack it. But it will sting for a while. Jordan, what did you see on that last interception that cost you the game? Play broke down, was scrambling right, saw Christian over the middle and uh, tried forcing one into him. Thought I could make the play. Didn't see the backside, so you know, they made a great play. Listen, uh, this is the one thing that you always worry about with your young quarterbacks, right? And you understand he is right now pressure trying to make a play. The game is on the line here. He is trying to make a play. And when he looks back at the video, which I'm sure he has already, the smarter, prudent thing for him to do would be to throw the ball out of bounds and live to play another down. It's not like they had to have the touchdown or lose. They could have gotten in field goal range, kicked the field goal. And I get it. You might have some concerns about your field goal kicker, and that might be something that they'll have to work on with, uh, you know, with Green Bay. Mike Evans just <laughs> Tampa marches right back down the field. Mike Evans with the touchdown, nine plays, 75 yards. And now we'll see with extra point pending. So we'll see what happens here. If they can uh, get three and out, get a stop and get the ball back. Uh, so, that, you know, that's what you worry about your young quarterbacks. And in speaking with them as I have over the years, and I've spoken with a number of young quarterbacks and even veteran quarterbacks and, you know, coordinators and quarterback coaches and whatnot. And Tampa's going for two. The, the thing that jumps out at you is when you speak with them and that, and in a sense, that's the mindset you want them to have, right? You want your quarterback to be confident that he can make a play. Right? You want that confidence, but along with that confidence, you want there to be just a little bit of saying, you know what? Okay. I understand where we are. I understand the situation. Okay. And he took you through it. I thought he was open. I thought I could get it there, but because he was pressured and moved off his mark, what does that mean? That means, very simply, that the defender is looking in his eyes. So he's following his eyes. He knows where he's going. And that's why Greenlaw was able to undercut the route and get the pass. That's how that play was lost. And unfortunately for Green Bay, that's how, you know, that's, that was their last play of this season. They've got to make uh, – that was, that was a close one on the two-point conversion there. It could have been a, a penalty. But I think what happens is the receiver's got to come back to the ball a little bit more. We'll discuss it next. The drive continues right here on 98.7 ESPN New York.